Welcome to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May. In this podcast, we discuss how you can achieve real health. I share my own experiences and interview some pretty amazing people. Three years ago, I was stuck in a vicious cycle of hating my body, bad dieting and having nowhere to turn. There is no one size fits all approach when it comes to health. So let's find what works for you. My passion and purpose in life is inspiring girls to feel good in and about their bodies. Now, if you're ready for some real talk, sit back and enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Real Health Real Talk podcast. This is an interview between myself and empowerment coach Asti Marie. We have so many golden nuggets of value in this episode, so I'm so excited for you to listen to it. We touch on things like body confidence, self-love, jealousy, and it was so fun to record. Now, there is a lot of sexual content. We talk about nudity and vaginas and stuff like that. So if that's not really your jam, then feel free to not listen to this episode. But without further ado, for those wanting to have a listen, this is my episode interview with Asti Marie. I'm here with Asti Marie. Asti, thank you so much for being here. Hey, gorgeous. Thank you so much for having me. So we've had a little chat behind the scenes about your values, my values, and I feel like they really do align. We've got a lot of in common. Um, and a lot of the stuff is what I talk about with Real Health. So I'm really excited to have you on and have a chat about a few of those things. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an effort chat. I'm so excited. Me too. So I first want to get you just introduce yourself, chat a little bit what you about what you do in your business. Mm-hmm. So my name's Asti Marie. I'm a female sexual empowerment coach. So generally what I focus on is I help women who have for their entire lives focused more on external success and really being focused on their careers. Um, I work with a lot of like highly driven entrepreneurs um, or business owners. And what's happened is over their life, they've become really obsessed with this external world and external success that they've actually lost touch with their internal feminine essence, sexuality, sensuality. So I help them come back home into their bodies to reconnect to that so that they can have a true sense of contentment in their lives, which ultimately um, amplifies their relationships, their relationship with themselves, their relationship with their bodies um, and sexuality, all of it. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's so beautiful. How did you get into that? Uh, it's actually quite a, like, there's not one thing where I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's what I want to do. I feel like every single moment in my life led me to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess one thing that stands out the most is for the last seven years before I became a coach, I was working as a dancer, as a stripper. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that the way that women, men and women, but more specifically women, I noticed that the way that they would react to me when I told them that I was a dancer, they would like kind of half be really intrigued and fascinated by it and want to know more so they could like live through me and my experience. And then the other half would be like totally against it and really like would like criticize me and put me down and be really like afraid of it. Yeah. And I realized that the way that they were responding to me was the same way that they were responding or the way same way that they were relating to their own sexuality so I noticed just within that that there's a huge disconnect with women and their own internal sexual essence yeah 100 percent. I think a lot of the time when we react in a I guess like badly to something else it's just a reflection of like something that's going on inside so the fact that you were able to like realize that and then you know let that catapult yourself into the business is amazing yeah and I didn't realize that at, at first I took it really like harshly and I you know, when someone criticizes you and for so long, I just thought there was something wrong with me. And like, I don't know, it was yeah. kind of tough to get through, but it's think- a nice real- realization to have that. And it's nice because now that I've realized that and the more that I own what I do and who I am and stripping and teaching sexuality, the more that I own it, the less I get criticized by people because the more I'm embodied in the work, the more sure of myself I am, the less, the less space I leave for criticism criticism and the more I'm giving other people other women permission to step into their own sexuality as well so I'm almost like paving the way which obviously does come with a little bit of um, harsh words as well (laughs) no that's awesome I think it's really difficult I guess when you're younger to really see that when somebody says something about you that it says a lot more about them than it does about you but after you sort of get that concept it is really really good and like it's come to the experience I guess 
100%. Why don't we get taught that at school? I know. <laughs> it would solve so many issues. <laughs> oh, totally. So um, you talk a lot about self-love. I guess that's sort of something that really encompasses your brand. Um, mm-hmm. I talk a little bit about that as well. And I just did an episode about it because it's become trendy, but I feel like it's sort of superficial in its translation lately. And mm-hmm. we don't really understand what self-love really is. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of like promotion with the self-love movement where it's all like airy fairy, like love yourself. You're perfect just the way that you are. Like You should love all of yourself. And the way that I look at it is like, even when you fall in love with someone and you're in like a committed relationship with someone that you love, you never love everything about them. Like there's always little things that maybe annoy you or piss you off or like can't love everything about someone. And that's the same thing with yourself. So I think what's more important is it's not important to love everything about yourself, but it's 100% important to accept everything within yourself. And that in itself is loving. Acceptance is loving, but forcing yourself to love something that you don't love is actually unloving. Mm -hmm. So it's really about sitting with the parts of yourself that you feel, that you find uncomfortable, that you don't, that you find hard to accept and really just acknowledging that and being more accepting of those parts of yourself. Yeah. I haven't really heard anyone talk about it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I find like if you... If you try to just, if you try to love all of yourself, you try to like manipulate yourself and your personality to fit into like a cookie cutter of how you believe that you should be in order to be lovable or in order to love yourself. Yeah. And what happens here is you end up uh, disowning parts of yourself that you think are unlovable or unacceptable. And it's actually very hard to do this. So if you're trying to disown a part of yourself, instead of it just disappearing completely, it'll actually come back so much stronger and so much more intense trying to like fight its way back into your life to be seen. So an example of this is like, uh, I used to get really jealous in my relationship and I hated that part of myself. And I was like, I'm getting really jealous. It's making me bitchy. Like I, it's such an unlovable trait of mine and I hated it. And the more that I hated it, the more jealous I would get. And it would just like take over me and my relationship and cause so many problems. And when I actually changed the way that I viewed it and looked at it like, okay, like I get jealous. That's okay. I don't love this part of myself, but I accept it. It made that part of myself feel more welcome. And because it felt more welcome and more seen, it didn't have to like come up and bubble away and like get out of control it's just there. And now that I'm more accepting of it, I'm more aware of it. And when it does come up, I can address it before it does get out of hand. Yeah. Well, jealousy is something I think a lot of girls struggle with. You just recently Mm -hmm. made a post about it. So you say it's better to sort of like acknowledge it and sort of like do it in a healthy way, I guess, instead of letting it take over you. What are some Mm -hmm. tips you would give to somebody who, or a girl who definitely just feels overcome with jealousy? Mm -hmm. So what I mentioned in my post was if it's more specifically like you're jealous because your man's checking out other women, you need to rethink the way that you view this because if your man, if he's embodied and is masculine and he's turned by the, by the turned on by the feminine, attracted to the feminine, this means that he's turned on and attracted to you. There's no way that he can control this. It's not to be exclusive just to one person. So it's almost like a compliment in itself. If he's attracted to all these other women, then obviously he's going to be more attracted to you. And I always used to let it devalue me because I put so much of my worth in my external appearance that if my partner would look at another girl or talk about how he was attracted to another girl, I would allow it to devalue me. But in reality, if he is admiring the feminine, because we're all a collective, what he's really doing is adding value to every single one of us mm-hmm. as a whole. So that's yeah. a really beautiful way to look at it. But the other thing that's really interesting is when you are jealous of somebody, what's usually bring, being brought up is you're being triggered by a trait of theirs because they're like they're expressing something that you've been told that is dangerous or that isn't acceptable for you. Mm-hmm. So if you've been taught that something is shameful or dirty or not acceptable and you've been taught to hide that part of yourself and then someone else expresses it, 
you're going to look at them and be like, oh, hey, like I'm not allowed to do that. Why are you allowed to do that? So yeah. a big one here is slut shaming. If, you're, if you get slut shamed growing up, you then in turn to feel more accepted, dull down this like flirty, bubbly personality of yours. And because you've been taught that it's not acceptable, when you see it in another woman, you're not going to be accepting of it. Mm-hmm. So a good way to, to look at jealousy is if you feel jealous towards somebody to actually stay, take a step back and ask yourself, what is it that, what is it about this woman that's making me jealous and turn it around to a positive and use that as inspiration or motivation to reclaim that piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all it is really. It's a sign and an invitation for you to reclaim that lost piece of yourself it's like what we were saying I think a lot of the things like it's a reflection of that person themselves so if they're jealous about something else have a look internally and see like what you can work on yeah that's that's really interesting we're talking a little bit about relationships why do you think it's really important to love yourself and accept yourself why is that extra important in terms of like being in a relationship yeah that's a good question so there is that saying that nobody can love you unless you first love yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe that's true. I think it's very possible for someone to fall in love with you, even if you don't love yourself. But what does happen in the situation is if you believe that you, if you don't love yourself and you believe that you're unlovable, if someone does come into your life that falls in love with you and offers you all this love, that's not going to fit into your narrative and your belief. So you'll unconsciously sabotage this relationship and push this person away just to stay true to the narrative that you've been telling yourself your whole life. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second reason why self-love is so important in relationship is if you do not offer yourself a sense of love and the other person, your partner in the relationship does, what ends up happening is you become too dependent on this person for that sense of love. And this is where it's really easy actually to get stuck in a toxic relationship because you could end up with somebody that is emotionally abusive, manipulative, maybe physically abusive and so on. But if he's still the only person, if he or she's still the only person that's giving you that sense of love, a sense of love is so important to us as humans. It's one of our basic needs and you will put up with all kinds of bullshit no matter what that person is doing, no matter how they're treating you, just to get that little bit of love that they're offering you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not giving yourself love, it's really easy to get stuck in these toxic relationships because at the end of the day, if you were going to choose to break it off with them and leave this person, you're not just leaving that person. You're leaving with them your sense of love and being loved. That's super interesting too. If you're really like down on yourself or like, you know, insecure, And it's all good and well to have somebody to come and say, no, I love these things about you, but it's hard for you to think that that they are telling the truth and that they believe it if you really don't believe it yourself. And then that Mm. can cause even more insecurity because you sort of think, well, do they actually think those things? Are they just, they what I want to hear. So I think going into a relationship with with ample self-love and like accepting yourself, you can then accept that somebody else would accept you. Exactly, 100%. And I see a lot of women doing that when they get given a compliment and they'll straight away put themselves down. Mm. Like so many girls do it and it's just out of habit. Like yeah. someone will say, oh, you look beautiful. And they'll be like, oh no, like I look really messy and gross today. Like I'm super tired. Like why? Someone's offering you this compliment. Just own it. Just like accept it. And that is such a bad habit. I have that so badly. I think that that's another thing. Like when I was when I was getting brought up, I think we were very, there's a very fine line between being confident and being arrogant. So mm. that that manifested in me in whenever someone would compliment me, they're like, oh, you look so nice. And I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's a nice dress. Or like if someone was like, yeah. oh, I really, I really like your makeup today. I was like, oh, it's really, oh, I did it so fast. And it's like, no, yeah. I didn't. I put so much effort into that. Like, why am I talking yeah. down? Why aren't I just saying thank you? It actually makes exactly. the other person feel awkward. <laughs> exactly. Because when someone compliments you, they want to give you love and show you appreciation. They're offering you this gift. And when you don't accept it, you're just like completely shutting them down. So you're really hurting them and yourself by doing this. Yeah. And there's nothing that is, I think it's so like sexy about a woman and like so amazing for, for somebody to be like, thank you so much. Or if someone says, I really like your dress, like, oh, I love it. Thank you. I just got it or something like that. I think that's mm. so attractive to see somebody like 
accepting a compliment like gracefully it's not arrogant at all but I know I definitely know the feeling of like wanting to trade carefully around those things and not come across mm-hmm. as arrogant exactly it's good just to accept it to take it and allow it to boost your confidence because I feel if you are going to shut down compliments you're actually allowing yourself to shut down your confidence as well a hundred percent so ladies start accepting compliments start start getting (laughs) them out and start accepting them my friend told me this little quote that she was telling herself for a couple of weeks to try and body this she said practice being adored which I thought was really beautiful yes I love that that it's a really Mm. good challenge to like just go one week and just consciously accept every single compliment nicely just like and you don't you don't have to be like yeah I do look good but just it's like thank you like yeah tell me something I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and then that's the other end of the spectrum I feel like sometimes people do that because they get like a little embarrassed that they are complimenting them and they yeah they go go one way or the other but (laughs) just try and yeah gracefully just like thank you so much thank you for noticing because then they feel better about it too and then it's a win-win so let's talk a little bit about self-love practices what practices do you take on oh there's a whole bunch where do I start Um, I think the main one for me, well, the main one that helped me in my journey with self-love, more specifically around body, was acceptance, Mm -hmm. was huge for me, um, because it's always easier to jump from hating yourself to accepting yourself rather than from hating to love. So acceptance is number one. Um, Being a sexuality coach, I do a lot of self-pleasure practices, um, but also just little things like rubbing oil all over my body in a really like slow conscious way being present with every movement and every touch and just really like sending love to every single part of your body is a really 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 beautiful practice Mm. um coming back down into your heart space as well Mm -hmm. just connecting from your head and from ego and coming back down into your heart and just sitting in that in that space of love and taking a few deep breaths here yeah because the more that you come into your body the more you're living in your truth and in soul and in love and away from ego and ego is the only part within you that's ever going to be criticizing you or putting you down or saying that you're not lovable or you're not loving sorry not worthy of love so the more that you come back into your body the easier it is to disconnect from all those limiting beliefs yeah, I really like that. I think also, like when, like I said at the start, it's lost in translation, self-love, and sometimes turned into a, quite a superficial thing. So people are saying, self-love, you know, go treat yourself and stuff like that. And like, yeah. I understand that, but sort of bring it down to what you just said, like something as simple as putting oil all over your body, really getting in touch with yourself. You don't have to spend heaps of money. You don't have to have like self-care Sunday. No. I think that's a really, really important thing to know that yeah. you don't have to have, you know, a day off work to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And just putting yourself first, putting your needs before other people, learning to build boundaries, um, listening to your intuition and respecting whatever it is that you need in the moment. So I don't know, like a lot of people probably don't have the opportunity to do this, but if I'm feeling really exhausted and I can, like I will cancel a shift at work or I don't know, even like turning down opportunities to go out with friends if you're not feeling up to it putting yourself first because at the end of the day if you don't fill yourself up with love and you're not feeling good internally you have nothing to share with all these other people in your life and you shouldn't feel guilty for that either I think so many people feel guilty for wanting to put themselves first and and Mm -hmm. even the idea the concept of putting yourself first is like so foreign to some people Mm -hmm. but you have to sometimes to be able to properly be able to serve and you know and help others you have to be Mm -hmm. feeling good yourself and this is almost a catch-22 because the more you put yourself first, the more that you feel loved. So in order to put yourself first, you need to have love. So putting yourself first makes you feel more loved and more lovable, but you actually need the love to do that in the first place because a lot of people put other people's needs before theirs because they're hoping to get love from this other person because they're not loving themselves. So it's almost like a catch-22 there. Yeah, it's like a cycle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so You just got to commit to it. Yeah. You talked a little bit about boundaries. This is something that oh, I feel like I'm a bit of like a yes woman. Like I was, yeah. anyway, this year I've really tried to like own it and become better at it. But a bit of a yes woman, yeah. pretty 
crappy at, at making boundaries. What tips do you have for people like me who are struggling in that field? Uh, so practice wise, this is something I get my clients to do is just to like feel themselves come into their body, feel themselves step into their power. So the way I like to think about it is like embodying like the queen. So if you're like embodied as a queen, you put yourself first because you know your worth. It doesn't necessarily make you a bitch. You're not letting other people down. Um, you don't need to be rude. You're still like loving and appreciative of everyone and everyone around you. But standing in your power and knowing what serves you, putting yourself first, mm-hmm. feeling that energy come alive within you. And then from that embodiment, just practice saying no. Like I do sessions with my clients and I just get them sitting there in their power going, no, <laughs> no. Seriously, I get them yelling no at me. I can just feel their energy change as they do that. It's such a, like, it's such a powerful practice. Another thing that's actually come up recently with some of my clients is even if you do commit to something, because when you first start making boundaries, it's really hard. Well, first of all, it's hard to stick to a boundary if you don't have any, because when someone crosses that line, you've, you're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. But when you first start making boundaries, I guess it takes a little bit of practice until that line's more defined. But in the beginning, if you find that you accidentally commit yourself to doing things or something that you don't actually want to be committing yourself to, it's always okay to take a step back and change your mind. Yeah. You do not have to feel guilty for changing your mind at all. That's definitely something I need to work on. And I think like, what is the, I've always say to myself, like, why are you so scared of saying no? Like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, if somebody says no to me, I'm, I'm never like angry. I guess it depends what it is, but I'm never going to be mad. I'm like, okay, cool. But for some mm. reason, when it's up to me to say yes or no, I think, oh no, they'd be devastated. They'd be so upset. But I think just, and it all, it, all of this links into one, but you know, that's putting myself first and like, you know, being able to say no and not feel guilty about it. Unapologetically being able to say no because that's mm. not what's best for me right now. Like it all, it all mm. cycles back and is very um, interlinked. And it's hard to, it's hard to break that cycle because generally it comes back down to childhood. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women that I work with, they are stuck in this pattern of having to please other people and putting other people's needs first because that's what they did when they were a child. Like they were praised when they did what they were told, did what yeah. their parents were told. So they've kind of, brought that narrative with them into their adult life as to like they believe that if they do what other people want them to do then they'll be more accepted by other people more loved by other people more liked by other people and that's Mm -hmm. where that self-acceptance and love comes in again because if you love yourself there's no fear in turning someone else down because you know at the end of the day you're still gonna love yourself (laughs) you're always there you're always gonna be there for yourself that's so important to remember and I think also it's like what's modelled to you when you're a child as well. Because I, my mother is oh, so incredible. She's always like running around trying to do things for other people. And I know that she struggles saying no to some things because, yeah. but I've, you know, I've come like full circle and like when I've been working on it and she says to me like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to. And I'm like, mum, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like if you say mm-hmm. no, they're going to understand. The only stress around this situation is what you're creating. She's going to listen to this as well. But she, yeah. That's what she needs to work on as well. But I think I've just inherited that because I've seen that. Yeah. So another thing to remember here is if you say no to somebody, right, you're kind of afraid that they are not going to like you because you've turned them down. But in doing that, they're going to respect you. Like if you stand up to someone and say, no, like I can't do that, I've got plans, or like, no, I'm not in the mood or whatever it is, they're going to respect you. And you have to think about it at the end, end of the day. Would you rather be liked or would you rather be respected? Yeah. Because I believe there's so much more power in being respected. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Mm. And that's, I think people sort of think like, oh, well, if I say no, I'm not going to look reliable. But there's a difference, I think, being like a reliable person and then being someone's like bitch. Like, I'm not talking about my mum anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Clarify. yeah. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, if somebody is like asking, it's almost disrespectful. They ask you and they don't care when or what it is because they expect you to say yes. Whereas if they would put more thought into what they're asking you and when they ask you things, if you had those boundaries, if you sometimes said, yes, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. Oh, that doesn't really work for me. I've got plans. I can't do that. Yeah. That's not something I would really like to do. 
and then they're going to they're going to appreciate it more because when you have a strong no and you have boundaries your yes is a true yes mm-hmm. yeah and people pick up on that so if they know that you have strong boundaries and you're agreeing to something they're like well she's actually agreeing to this because she wants to do it she doesn't feel like she has to yeah so that's more beautiful for the other person too yeah um can we talk a little bit about body confidence of course. I, this is something I feel like I've definitely struggled with at the beginning of my like health journey. I just want to hear you talk about it. <laughs> I've listened okay. to your stories and stuff and I just love soaking it up. So go for it. Yeah, body top, body confidence has been, well, it's a huge piece within the work that I do, but it's been quite a hot topic recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote a post on this a couple of weeks ago, I think, where, uh, again, the same, the thing for me that really helped was accepting my body. But for me, more specifically, I was never really uncomfortable about my shape or my size. And I think it's important to share this because so many women, when you think body confidence, they just, that's all they think about, right? Your body shape, your body size. Yeah. But, and actually a lot of women would come back to me like, who are you to be talking about body confidence? Like, look at your body, you're skinny. Like, people accept you it's so much easier like it's easy for you to say and I took that really badly I was like oh my god like I was getting like criticized for all this work that I was trying to do and trying to inspire women to love themselves but that actually goes so much deeper than this so we have all been conditioned to hold so much shame around our sexuality and around our bodies as sexual around ourselves as sexual beings So there's so much shame around breasts. There's so much shame around our vulva, our labia. And that's not necessarily based on how they look. That's just based on the fact that we have them. So that doesn't exclude anybody. So any, everybody most likely has some sort of body confidence issues because of how suppressed we've been sexually and how suppressed we've been around our bodies. Mm -hmm. So I was never that insecure about my shape or my size but I was very insecure about my breasts um growing up I never saw naked women except for the ones that I saw in porn um girls that I saw in magazines models and girls on tv and as we know they kind of all have like the same look right yeah so if you don't look like that you just assume that there's something wrong with you you're the odd one out and I actually have a couple of friends. One's a model and one is an editor. They've both worked for different magazines. And I've heard stories from both of them saying that uh, the photos are so incredibly photoshopped that even the models in those magazines don't even look like themselves. Like my friend that was a model would take these beautiful photos, go out the back, watch herself, like, sorry, look at her photos and think that she looked absolutely amazing. Was so like proud of them. And then would watch the photographer completely edit it and airbrush it so it didn't even look like her. And the, the, the biggest thing here is they would airbrush her labia. And my editor friend said this as well. They have to airbrush the labia right down so they all look the same. And yeah. it's just so sad because there's actually so much variety in how women's bodies look. But that's that's all the media allows us to see. And the biggest thing for me in my healing journey was when I started dancing, I started stripping, I went into the club and I saw so many beautiful women, all different shapes and sizes, all different size breasts, all different types of uh, labia. And I realized like how different we all are but how beautiful we all all are in our own way yeah and I think what was even more empowering in this experience was it wasn't necessarily the women that were more like classically beautiful in regards to like society standards that made money it was just the girls who like embodied their femininity who were confident in themselves and who carried themselves gracefully those were the girls that looked more beautiful at the end of the day 
it's just sad that that doesn't ever come across like those there's so much beauty in in difference and and in like you know people different shapes and sizes and stuff but yeah mm. it's everything's you know watered down and edited and airbrushed to look at the same so every single person is on the other side of the magazine or the other side of the computer screen thinking that's what everyone else looks like but I'm mm. different and that's mm. not beautiful they think that one thing is beautiful and that they're not that so they're not beautiful whereas if everything yeah. was showcased everyone realized that there's there's beauty in in and uniqueness you know um mm. which I think it's just it could be so amazing but we're just not seeing it yeah but there's so much conditioning for us to all kind of be the same like nobody wants to be the odd one out in anything really it's oh yeah scary to be yeah. different Where, whereas it should be celebrated yeah 100 percent but the thing is that it's it's so it's so false like and when, when you actually think about it obviously we're all different but yeah. we're constantly, you know, everything's photoshopped the same, everything's edited the same. So you think that it's all the same thing and that we're the odd one out. But really, mm. we're all just a whole bunch of odd ones out. Like nobody's yeah. the exact same. And if you can find beauty in that, then that that's just the key. But it's just yeah. sad that that's not um, put across as much. Yeah. So there is so much healing in that. And I do tell a lot of my clients and like my followers I actually encourage a lot of them to go to the nude beach. So I often get messages from girls like, I went to my first nude beach today. <laughs> it makes me so happy. But there's so much power, and this is really scary. It's probably going to trigger a lot of people. But there's so much power in just being seen naked because the way that I look at it is if you are holding shame in your body, you don't like the way that you look, it's almost like you're holding on to this dirty secret. Like you don't want anyone to see it. You don't want anyone to find out. But as soon as you just like, show it off to the world you're like oh okay I didn't die like everything's okay yeah. life's still going on like it's 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 I've seen it happen with a lot of people I did a retreat last year in Mexico and when we first got there the very first day we all had to go through this practice and get naked and there were women who were absolutely petrified like completely petrified by the idea of this but yeah. two days later every single one was walking around like naked like swimming in the pool naked just like having conversation like it was just like so normal and so natural so I've seen the power of how quickly just being naked in nature or being naked around other people can help it can heal you but there isn't much opportunity for this so the new beach is really great but another thing that you can do is just go online I can't think of any websites off the, off the top of my head but there are a few really great websites that just have lots of photos of like different naked woman and not in a overly like um erotic way but just like really tasteful nudes where you can go on and just admire all the different shapes and sizes that we come in and it's really beautiful I feel like being naked in public like that's literally what so many people's nightmares are made of yeah what, yeah if somebody wants to go to a nude beach or they're like that's their goal what I guess should they work on in themselves first if they're thinking I just can't do it I want to do it but I just cannot do it what what is what are some advice that you have for those people just doing some stuff at home, like like I said, with the body massage, um, even just looking at yourself naked in the mirror, because a lot of people, a lot of women don't even look at themselves. They don't even look at their vulva. So getting a mirror, looking at yourself down there, um, looking at yourself in the mirror and just sending love to those parts of your body that you find hard to accept and just feeling comfortable with yourself naked first. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of women can't do that. Yeah. I guess that's, that's a good first step before you strut around and serve an else. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really extreme advice. I know I'm really extreme sometimes. I'm not saying to everyone, like, go out to the nude beach. There's definitely, like, little baby steps you can take before that. But that's just, like, for, to me, that's just, like, the most potent, powerful and quickest way that you can overcome those fears. And I feel like once you've done that, it's kind of like, wow, I didn't die. Like nothing bad happened. And these people saw me naked and I'm okay. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about schooling. What is one thing, like one lesson plan, one book, if you could put a class into high schools, what would that be? What do you think that they've missed in regards to like your, what you sort of, um, what your business oh is about? Gosh. Oh my gosh. There is so much that I would put into schools. <laughs> like where do I start I guess in the realms that I'm working in I think it's really important for young girls to understand their sense of worth mm -hmm. and to know that they are worthy 100% always they always have been and always will be 
and their worth isn't in being able to please a man yeah so that's not their job that isn't what they're here to do they there's the they need to separate themselves from that so self-love worthiness and believing in yourself setting boundaries so that you don't feel that you need to like again like give in to people give in to boys to have that sense of worthiness because we're so much more than that your worth isn't dependent on your ability to please someone else yeah and that is one thing I think that I like hugely missed out in in school because I went into my first few relationships completely like handing myself over to these people and losing myself in the relationships because I didn't see my worth and I wasn't able to stand up for myself. Yeah. Imagine learning all of that though at a young age, like how differently, I guess you would approach different situations and my gosh, even just like school is so heady, right? Like everything that we get taught is all really like logical. It's all, uh very much in your head Mm -hmm. so even doing more like body practices like coming into your heart space learning to connect with your body learning to feel the embodiment of your emotions learning to feel the felt sense and working on the level of the body I think would cure it would help so much but it would like cure so many of the problems that adults are going through and ultimately cure so much disease as well yeah Exactly. And I think also like social intelligence and emotional intelligence in general, I feel like that should be sort of um, practiced more in schools because we sort of focus on that one intelligence and Mm -hmm. you get, you get out of the, out of school into a workplace. That's Mm. a small percentage of what you need to be in life. You need to be able to interact well with others. And I think, yeah, you've got your classmates. I feel like that should be sort of stressed a little more as well. Mm, and of course as well like individuality and allowing kids to follow their intuition and follow their own path and express their uniqueness because when you go to school that kind of just gets taken away from you yeah everyone gets pushed in to do the same things and it's very like structured and you kind of lose your unique flavor through all of that yeah and even like even when you think about it like everyone's going to the same place everyone's like if you've got like a uniform school everyone's got like the same bag everyone's got the same shoes the same socks the same uniform and and that's and that's where that thing comes from it's like if you are different if you do something outside the norm you think there's something wrong mm-hmm. but there's something Just, so beautiful about that you're being unique yeah yeah this actually reminds me of a, of a documentary that I watched the other day it's quite intense it's called Thrive. It's actually on YouTube, but it was all about this and how the higher like corporations and the uh, people that control the world, like Illuminati, <laughs> um, have really like manipulated our like healthcare and food and education. And they were talking about education in this way where we kind of like go through this process where we're all, like you said, in uniform and going like getting groomed ultimately to go to school like nine, like whatever time it is, nine to three, grooming kids to be good workers when they turn into adults. So it's just grooming people to put them through school so that they can work for other people. It's just like this huge, messy process where all of your freedom and individuality is just stolen from you just so ultimately you can leave school and work for someone else. But I feel like we're slowly breaking away from that now and more people are like there's a lot of coaches now and a lot of people doing their own thing and working on their own um, businesses and a lot more entrepreneurs and people kind of breaking free from that, which is great. Yeah, I think so. And I guess the more people who are out there doing something different, the more acceptable it is, the the less scary it is to take the leap. But I definitely think we're, we're getting better. We're improving in that. But did you say it was called Thrive? All right. Thrive. Oh. It's, it's like goes for like two hours and it goes through like our education, um, healthcare uh like medicine like everything and you watch it and you're just like oh my god it's like it's mind-blowing <laughs> I love stuff like that though food for thought yeah. I will jump a on little that. bit of stuff about aliens like it goes through everything it's just Damn. like completely mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it okay so I'm gonna I get some quick cues from you now what mm-hmm. is the biggest misconception that you've had so when you're coaching and one-on-one client one-on-one client sorry uh, with people relating to me or like my clients? I guess either. 
So the biggest thing was actually something, well, not the biggest thing, but one big thing that happened yesterday, actually, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. but also very sad. And this happens a little bit when people ask me what I do and I say I'm a sexuality coach, a lot of uh, strangers that ask me will have the same response where they're like, well, what does somebody your age know about that? Referring yeah, to sex. Yeah, I saw you talking about this in your story. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm 28, so I'm not that young. But I feel like maybe people look at me and I look quite, I do look younger than 28, but I look really like sweet and innocent. Mm-hmm. And because people don't think that sex is, but they, they believe that sex takes away your innocence. I feel like they just get all like confused in their head. But the biggest thing here that I thought about was you're allowed to have sex in Australia when you're like 16, right? Mm-hmm. So I've legally been allowed to have sex for nearly 13 years. Yeah. And people still think that it's bizarre that I should know about my sexuality. Like it's more bizarre for me to know about it than to not know about it. Yeah. which explains so many of the problems that we have today with all of this um, sexual suppression. It's just crazy. Mm, Exactly. Like your sexuality is a natural part of you and your being. So it's something that's within us internally. It's within me internally. So why should I not know about that? (laughs) And I think attaching an age to that is crazy because if you're not wanting to know about it, if you're not in touch with yourself, if you're not putting in the work, you're not going to wake up one day like when you're 45 and be like, oh, I've got it all figured out. Like if you're not working towards it, it doesn't matter how old you are. No, and that's what I said. Like time doesn't necessarily, like time on this earth doesn't equal wisdom. It's not how long you've been around, but it's how wisely you use that time. And time... Like, I guess getting to know your sexuality is more about healing yourself. We don't, a lot of people don't know their sexuality because they've been conditioned, they're holding on to shame and trauma. So really getting to know your sexuality is healing. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that, I guess, the older you get, the more that you'll know your sexuality because time heals. But it actually doesn't. If you want to heal, you actually have to have the intention to heal. You actually have to go out of your way to commit to the work. It's not just going to miraculously like fall into place. And actually, I believe the longer you leave the conditioning or trauma without healing, it actually gets worse because it embeds itself in you further and further and further and is therefore harder to unravel because once you've been living your life a certain way for so many years, it just gets harder to rewrite, rewrite your narrative. I think time lets you get used to something, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to cure it. You're not going to, you know, wake up one day and feel amazing just because you've left it it so long. Yeah, it gets comfortable, but it's not necessarily healthy. So if you could go back in time to 15-year-old Asti, what would you say? Oh, what was I doing when I was 15? I lost my virginity when I was 15. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely say, like, you do not have to have sex with anybody. Your worth is not being in being able to please anyone else. Mm-hmm. So say no. Stand in your power and say no. I love that. That's such a good message. I feel like I've had, I'd have so much to tell my 15-year-old self. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know, right? I feel like that's when you just start to think, I've got it all figured <laughs> out. I'm so cool. Yeah. I've got this. And then now... I'm like only 21. So like, it's not that long ago that I was 15, but I guess in that time, yeah. so much has happened. And I'm like, whoa, you had no idea. <laughs> You're always learning. There's actually so much that I would go back and tell myself because I had really great parents that were really loving and there for me. And I had like, I guess the perfect upbringing, but I guess it was my parents kind of let me down in the way where they never sat me down. I never had the conversation about the birds and the bees and periods and all of that stuff. So for me already, there was already so much shame around the subject that I could never go to my mum and ask for help or ask for advice because it's really hard for a child to bring that up first. Yeah. And I guess my mum, obviously, she held a lot of shame around it from her upbringing and that just got passed down to me. So she did the best that she could with her upbringing. And I don't know, I have learned a lot from it. So I like... I do think about this quite a bit and think about the different ways in which I would bring up my child and yeah. 
hopefully I can be a better parent and offer my child all of the, like, it's, you're never going to have an, a perfect upbringing, but I've definitely learned from my upbringing and have become more aware of what I missed out on and what I'm willing and able to now pass on to my future children. Yeah, I feel like that is something that's daunting for parents to sort of address. Do you have any advice on how how you should address that or like when? Yeah, so what I was actually going to say next is with our trauma and wounding, it's actually proven now that this actually gets embedded in your DNA. So when you have children, it actually gets passed on with them. So all the shame and trauma that you're holding on to around anything, but definitely around your sexuality, naturally gets passed on to your children. So what is really important in this work and why this work and what I teach is so much bigger than me or my clients. It's actually healing. We're actually healing for future generations without even needing to have these conversations with them. Because as we heal ourselves and heal our own DNA on those deepest levels, we're automatically going to produce healthier and more vibrant and whole beautiful little children without them needing to do the work. So the more that we do the work, the less they will need to do the work. And the more that you do the work and you drop the shame and the stigma and the charge around sexuality, then it doesn't become awkward to have those conversations. It kind of just comes more naturally. And I guess that's why my mom never had the conversation with me because she, she didn't have the opportunity to do healing in those realms. And so everything that she picked up from her mom got passed on down to her and passed on down to me. And I guess she just didn't know any different. That's just how it was. But it's huge. If if you're willing to work on yourself, you're actually healing for future generations. And in that, if you're willing to work on yourself, you actually end up healing past generations as well. That blows my mind. That's so Mm. cool. That's so much so more motivation to do it. Tricky to get your head around that. But if you're wanting to sit down and have a conversation with your children, you need to work on yourself first. And I actually took my client through a beautiful practice a couple of weeks ago. We were doing work with her inner child. And what I had her do was get a photo of herself. I think she was about six years old. And every single day she looked at that photo and she gave herself the advice that she wished she had when she was that age so she was being her own mother and offering herself all this love and advice and she did it over a week and she said that she felt amazing afterwards and what I told her to do from there was to sit her children down and have the exact conversation with them which I thought was really beautiful because she was using the same practice not only heal herself but then took everything that she learned within that practice to to teach her children that's so beautiful I love that Mm -hmm. So if, it, if, you, if there is like some sort of like discomfort around discussing it, try practicing it on yourself with like a baby photo. <laughs> mm. I feel like mm. also we sort of forget that children, is a, they don't really know what's going on. They're brought into this world and they can sense if something's sort of taboo and they can sense if something brings up tension. So if you sort of just like, sort of try to remove that and let that dissipate it's not like because I remember like I remember like even just getting my period and going to tell my mum and I was so scared because I was like I don't want to talk about it like I've never yeah. talked about it before like am I meant to tell her I don't know yeah like make it a normal thing like oh yeah mum's got her period today like this mm. is a tampon like it doesn't need to be so hidden and taboo and the more that it's just a normal thing the children won't even have shame around it it'll just be like anything else just a normal part of life What I was going to say there is I've actually thought I would love to like make it something to celebrate because getting your first period, like that's huge, right? You're like stepping into womanhood. It should be something that we celebrate. So I actually thought once, like if I did have a little girl, I would like make it something that she's looking forward to, like something that she's like cannot wait to get. And then on that day, we'll have like a little celebration for her. Yeah. I think that's so cool because if you look at the bigger picture, it's amazing what our bodies can do. And it's just, it's like an amazing like reminder of all the things that we're capable of as women. So it Mm. should be celebrated. It shouldn't be taboo. Mm. I remember even just how I found out about what periods were having. I was in like grade four. I didn't know until then. And one of my friends came to school and obviously her mum had had the talk with her and she was like, do you guys know what a period is? And we're like, oh my god! It's like, it's like a class at school, like you know, thinking it was like <laughs> first, first period, second period, and they and they t- and she told me, and I was like mind blown. I was like, well, how have I not heard of I this know. before? What the hell? Um, so I think even that a little bit more 
if that was a dress code at school, I think that would be a good thing. As oh, well. totally. Because our sex ed, it was so embarrassing just the way that they went about it. Oh, so bad. And they talk about all the negative things. So like everything that could go wrong, unwanted pregnancy, STIs, all the rest of it. Mm. No one ever talks about pleasure. Yeah, exactly. At all. No. And when I had Monica on the time. podcast, because your mm-hmm. Asti is friends with Monica for those who are listening. Yes. Um, when we, she said, when we're little, we're taught that or told that you can get pregnant by holding hands with a guy, pretty much. And I was like, that is so true. Like, I was so scared about that. But actually, knowing, you know, teaching them about <laughs> when it's even possible to get pregnant, like, oh uh, yeah, I thought you could get pregnant any day, which is obviously not true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. But it just, it's, it's, just, it's very fear-based. I feel like it's all fear-based when it shouldn't yeah. be. But the thing is with um, like ovulation and those fertility days, I believe that most women, most teachers, I don't even think they know that. I don't even think they understand their own cycles. Yeah. And that's yeah. why that's younger true. generations aren't being educated because the educators actually don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what you don't <laughs> We're changing know, so. that. We're changing that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when it comes to speaking with children, it's really, it is actually, I guess, a little bit tricky for me to talk about this because I'm not a mother. But when it comes to dropping the shame, just little things like if your child is like, because I got told off once for forgetting to wear underwear um, to school, I think, and my neighbor's dad just went crazy at me. But just little things like if your kid's like naked, you wouldn't like scream at them and be like, that's disgusting, get inside. Just be like, oh, like, can you please go put some pants on? Or if, you, if your child's playing with themselves, you want to go, stop it, that's disgusting. I actually had to tell my sister this because her little girl kept touching herself. She wanted to keep looking at her labia. She was like, every time her nappy came off, she would like look down and like have a little play. My sister was like slapping her hand away and telling her off. Mm. And I was like, you can't do that. Like, there's actually nothing wrong. She's actually not doing anything wrong. You just have to let her do it. But if the child gets a little bit older, and is doing it outside and places all in the supermarket where it's like not appropriate. You'd just be like, that's not like, that feels nice. Doesn't it? Like, that's really beautiful that you're doing that. And I'm glad you enjoy it, but just make sure you do that at, at the house or like go to your bedroom and do that. But you never make it a thing where they're doing something wrong because that yeah. shame gets embedded and gets associated with our sexuality from really, really young, starting yeah. from like being a baby if your mum's slapping your hand away from touching yourself, that's automatically like shame embedded within your sexuality. And that's going to stay with you throughout your entire life. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're conscious of that, even that memory or not, it's going to, mm. it's going to stick with you. That's so funny that you say that. Cause I remember when I was in prep, sort of been five years old, I went to swimming and you know how sometimes like, I guess like little girls bathers, there's like a skirt like, yeah. I was so excited to wear my skirt, but I didn't bring anything to wear underneath the skirt. <laughs> so I, like, literally was sitting on the side of the pool and just, like, obviously, like, had nothing on underneath. And my swimming teacher was just mortified. And I didn't know what was happening. So she, she like, got my teacher over. She was like, she needs to go, she needs to go. And, like, rushed me to the, oh to my the, gosh. the bathroom. And the whole time I was like, oh, I just don't have underwear on. Like, yeah. And like, is it really that much of a big deal? It's only going to be a big t- deal to the other kids if she makes it a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So then I was embarrassed and everyone was like laughing. And that's, I oh. literally, have, I've hardly thought about that since it happened. But then you brought that up and I was like, wow. Yeah, we've both had similar situations. Because I remember before that happened to me, I was like, we'd play outside naked. I'd like jump on my trampoline naked. It was like always naked outside. And then when that happened, that's when I first realized that my body was shameful or first started to believe my body was shameful Mm. and yeah, like really like disconnected from that fun, playful, innocent side of myself. And so really started to like cover up because I didn't want to be told off again. Yeah. And that's, that stays with you in your unconscious because if something like that happens to you, your unconscious doesn't actually know the difference between now and then so still as an adult if you don't choose to work on stuff like this you have that unconscious belief that if I get seen naked by somebody I'm going to be told off (laughs) so there's still that fear held around your sexuality in that sense because Mm. your unconscious doesn't know the difference between now and then that's so funny because like I feel like I'm just making links as we're talking but like when I was um, I used to do a lot of dancing when I was younger and I remember so I would have been like six onwards I would so it would have been after that like incident 
but I um I would yell at my grandma and my mom when I was getting changed I was like you have to hold up a towel like everyone's looking at me and no, no one would be looking at me no one yeah. would care and everyone else would just like sort of get changed like in the change rooms and I was like yeah. people are looking at me mom like you have to do that's so funny they even bring that up now like how, how weird I was about like like having people like see me Wow. Yeah, because you believe that people are going to laugh at you again. And when people are laughing at you and excluding you in that way, you don't feel like you're accepted by them. And that's really scary for a little girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. We've just done a little bit of coaching in this session. alone. So what is next for you in your business? What goals do you have? And what would you like, I guess, to a, a message to really get across? Uh, so one goal that I have now, um, because lately I've just been working a lot like one-on-one with women. So mm-hmm. uh, one-on-one uh, calls over Skype and I really want to do more in, in-person work. So I actually released this new uh, exclusive VIP day experience recently, uh, which is still one-on-one, but it's in person. So I have like a really awesome setup where I'm booking out a hotel We'll do five hours um, in-person work, um, in-person coaching, have lunch, have some champagne, have a little celebration. Um, And then I get a photographer to come in. So we do hair and makeup and do a little photo shoot to like capture the whole experience. But this is what I'm wanting to focus on now because I really love connecting with women and I love having an in-person experience because I feel like it just takes the transformation and the work to a whole new level so I'm really really excited about that that's the next thing that's on my agenda (laughs) to-do list the other big thing as well is I've actually started my own podcast um it hasn't been released yet but I've already recorded quite a few episodes so that's going to come out I don't know maybe before the end of the year maybe January but very soon so yeah lots of really awesome stuff happening that's so exciting what's the name of the podcast do you can you say it or you're keeping it on the yeah screen? it's called sex sass and soul oh I love that yeah <laughs> that is so exciting I can't wait so many things in the pipeline love it mm-hmm. well thank you so so much for talking with us today and coming on I feel like my I myself have like made some breakthroughs so I hope everyone listening has as well um where can we find you on social media so um Instagram is asti asti dot marie m-a-r-e-e I also have a private Facebook group which I connect with the ladies in there pretty much every day which I actually only started it recently and I'm really loving it because you're able to take the conversations to a whole new level which you can't really do on Instagram Um, So I'm in there a lot. uh, And the Facebook group is called Sass and Soul Uncensored. That was going to be originally called Sex, Sass and Soul, but I recently had my Instagram shut down for being too sexual. So I didn't want to use the word sex. I kept it more PG so I wouldn't get shut down. So the Facebook group is Sass and Soul Uncensored. Um, And my website is astymarie.com. Nice. I'll link those in the um, in the show notes as well in case want, people want to go and have a look. But yeah, thank you thank so much you. for chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked this episode, feel free to go and leave me a podcast review. If you want to hear more from me, then pop over to Instagram and follow me at ebcoatsworth. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next episode, I wish you happiness and real health.
thank you so much. Or if someone says, I really like your dress, be like, oh, I love it. Thank you. I just got it or something like that. I think that's mm. so attractive to see somebody like accepting a compliment like gracefully. It's not arrogant at all, but I know, I definitely know the feeling of like wanting to trade carefully around those things and not come across mm. as arrogant. Exactly. It's good just to accept it, to take it and allow it to boost your confidence because I feel like you are going to shut down compliments you're actually allowing yourself to shut down your confidence as well. 